I'm Gino Parati, and I'm an expert in the field of interpersonal communication, which means that I study human behavior in the context of relationships. I'm a published author on the subjects of culture, gender, nonverbal communication, and soft skills. I'm also a self-identified empath and apparently an INFJ if you're into the Myers-Briggs stuff. Having lectured at some of the largest and most prestigious universities and colleges in the United States, I've seen firsthand how powerful communication can be in transforming our mindsets, our perspectives, our relationships, and ultimately the way that we experience our lives. So that's why I've created this podcast, to help us expand our social and emotional intelligence, which can lead to more effective communication and better relationships, both with others and with ourselves. A former student, Emily, and I were having an interesting conversation about what is going on with people socially and emotionally during this pandemic. So I invited her to share this conversation on this podcast. Episode 2, An Opportunity to Listen. We are dropping clues all the time about who we are, what we think, and how we feel. Are you tuning into these clues? Both the ones left by you and other people. In episode one, we talked about step one of emotional intelligence and how it's about consciousness and giving yourself permission to feel whatever it is that you are feeling. Now we're building into step two, which is about identifying and naming what you are feeling so that you can analyze and understand it. In this episode, I also introduce social intelligence. This is something bigger and encompasses emotional intelligence. So what are the differences between emotional intelligence and social intelligence? Emotional intelligence is about being very connected and conscious with yourself and your inner world, where social intelligence is the ability to successfully create and navigate relationships as well as larger social environments. So in order to have social intelligence, you do need to have emotional intelligence. Like what is an example from your own life that exemplifies social intelligence? Yeah, um, the biggest one I would say comes with, uh, I had mentioned in our our intro, I told you I'm a a self-identified empath. So it took me a while, I'd say up until my mid-30s, to really figure out that I had the ability to absorb other people's emotions. We all actually do because there's something called an emotional contagion, which is when someone's happy, we all tend to be happy. If somebody's really negative and they come in the room, then the rest of us tend to become more negative because of that person. So we absolutely impact each other with our emotional energy. But as an empath, I'm extremely sensitive to other people's emotions and the energy that they give off. Uh, So it took me a while because I had been teaching at this point And uh, I was working at a very large university at the time, and I had a 300-student class at one point. That's a whole lot of eyes on you, a whole lot of interaction. And I would go home at the end of the day, and I would have these really weird emotional feelings. Like I may be thinking, God, I'm feeling so happy. I mean, it feels good, but I don't really know why. I can't identify a reason in my own life as to why I'm feeling so happy. Or sometimes it was the opposite. Everything's going great in my life. Why am I feeling so sad? And what I figured out was that uh, I was picking up on other people's energy. So the ability to have social intelligence is recognizing other people's emotional states. And then the emotional intelligent piece is being able to sift through, are these feelings that I'm having in this moment, are they mine or did I pick these up from somebody else? And if I pick them up from somebody else, I don't have to hold on to them because they're not mine. 
then you can start discovering ways to release the emotions that aren't yours, the things that you picked up throughout the day of socially interacting with other people. Yeah, I think I experienced that with social media too. Oh, yeah. So before I go on my phone, I feel fine, right? And then maybe 20 minutes after I'm scrolling through Facebook or scrolling through Instagram, I feel drained and tired and sometimes upset. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and I actually call that emotional residues. Uh, social media is a really interesting place. And I'm on social media. I'm on uh, about three different platforms. And I enjoy some of them. Uh, other than I find quite annoying but there's, there's business reasons why I have those because I, I use it for branding and to spread spread these messages that I'm talking about. Um, but I have to be careful, just as you had mentioned, with scrolling. And uh, one of my favorite features, there are some people that um, I like them as people, but I mute their their profiles so that their, their posts don't show up on my newsfeed because I believe they are producing for me what I call emotional residues. So when they're angry, they do an angry post. Um, it, when they're happy, it's great because feeling happy feels good. So scrolling and seeing their happy posts and they make me feel happy, that's great. But when I scroll down and because they're angry today and they need to share that with the world on social media, I don't need to feel angry because you're having a bad day. I mean, I don't even know what you expect me to say about that on, on social media. So I call it emotional residues and, and that would be social intelligence is before you hit the post button, it is therapeutic oftentimes for us to get that out of ourselves. And if you're going to do it on social media, the social responsible part, the social intelligence part is understanding once you post that, how the emotion you're putting out there on the social media platform is going to impact the viewers. And is it a socially responsible emotion to put out there because it's going to create a residue for these people? It's your leftovers. It's the leftovers of your emotions. You got it out of you by posting, but now the residues left over that's impacting other people. Hmm. So what do you want to be spreading? What's the point? Is it to serve you or is it to serve us, the greater good? So the content you're saying, like if you're distributing content, it should be socially responsible. I think so. Or you should at least be conscious enough to ask the question. And that's the whole point of this idea of emotional intelligence, social intelligence. It's about bringing consciousness to why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. And why I'm about to post this. I know I want to post it, so I'm giving myself permission to recognize that I want to post it. And there have been times that I've created a post, and then before I hit post, I deleted it. And the funny thing is, I didn't need to actually post it to feel the relief. I wanted to get it out of me, so I did the post, but as soon as I created it, I never even needed to share it. It's like writing a letter to someone and never mailing the letter. It, it was the action of writing the letter that created the release that you wanted. It, it's, it's really the consciousness. Right. What are some alternatives? Good old-fashioned journal. And it doesn't have to be old-fashioned in that you can do a video journal. You can do voice memos. The idea of these journals is you are getting this stuff out of you, which can be very therapeutic as long as you don't go and keep reliving it over and over and over by rereading. You know, some people are addicted to their traumas, in my opinion, uh, and they don't want to let go of that trauma. That's the story of their life, and they're not willing to rewrite a new story. The point of journaling is to get it out of you. Uh, I'll use an, an unpleasant metaphor, but it's like when you're vomiting something out. You know, you ate something that's bad for you, and you need to feel better, so you have to vomit 
to get it out of your stomach. But once you're done and it's out of your stomach, you don't keep dry heaving. It's done. But some people, I don't think, want to feel better. They hold on to this identity of, of, uh, of what has felt bad for so long because that's what's familiar to them. So how would you say social and emotional intelligence enables you to be able to listen better? Great question. Um, the emotional intelligence piece is, again, about going inward. So by getting to step two of emotional intelligence, we learned in episode one that step one is recognizing, hey, you're feeling something. So it's just conscious that there's some type of shift in what you're experiencing emotionally, physically. Step two is starting to label, identify specifically what emotion that you are experiencing. And so when you're able to do that, you start to listen for the specific evidence of what you're feeling. So what's the difference? Um, here's a good one. The, the difference between anxiety and excitement. In terms of physical manifestations, they're actually really similar. Now, I used to be a, a recreational gymnast and I would put on public performances. I loved getting up in front of the audience and, and tumbling. I get butterflies in my stomach. I'm a big armpit sweater when I'm feeling a little bit nervous or excited. So my armpits will sweat. My hands will sweat. Um, nervousness, so some anxiety feelings and excitement. Physically, they manifest very similarly. If you're actually looking for evidence of your body, hey, I'm sweaty armpits. I'm shaky voice. I'm butterflies in my stomach. Sweaty hands. That, um, that alone, just recognizing, listening to those symptoms of your body won't enable you to accurately label that as, is this nervousness or anxiety or is this excitement? So then you actually have to go into, um, what am I feeling deeper? So you did look for, you listen to the evidence of your body. So you're able to narrow it down to either nervousness or excitement. Then you have to ask yourself the emotional environment. Do I like performing? Do I like having eyes on me? And for me, the answer is yes. I'm happy these people are here and I can't wait to put on a show for them. I can't wait to hear their applause and, and their oohs and ahs at the, at the tumbling skills I'm going to do. So that, putting those two pieces together, that's how I can label my physical symptoms as excitement and not nervousness or anxiety for it. Um, for social intelligence, though, remember we're looking about a skilled relationship with other people and being able to navigate successfully social environments. Listening for something called social footprints becomes really interesting. And a good metaphor for this is thinking about when you go for a walk on the beach. And when you're walking on the beach, you might be the only one on the beach at the moment. But many times as you walk close to the water, you'll see that other people were there before you. And you can tell that because there are footprints in the sand. If you really pay attention to those footprints, you can learn a lot about that person just by looking at what they left behind with those footprints. You can tell how old they are or how tall they are. You might be able to tell if they have any kind of hip issues or knee issues or back issues by how much pressure. Do these people tend to walk on the outside of their foot more? And I can tell that because it's indented more in the sand or they're turning inwardly. Are they pigeon-toed? Do they have way too much turnout? There's so much if you pay attention to the things we leave behind. So in a more real-life example, like uh, things they wear, they're called artifacts from the studies of nonverbal communication. Or um, the way we decorate our workspaces and our home spaces, the kind of cars we drive, it actually gives you a good indication of who the people are. And nonverbal studies have shown that 
um, you can fairly accurately judge somebody's personality by these types of things because it's all evidence of their personality. So what what are your artifacts? Oh gosh, well uh, I drive a <laughs> Nissan. <laughs> I I think I I'm very conscious about this stuff. I'm I'm very visual. I'm going to chalk it up to me being part Italian. Uh, and Italy is a very visual culture, and it's a culture that values beauty. So for me, I really like style and refinement. Uh, I'll give an example about the the kind of men I'm attracted to. Uh, I like I like men who are really clean cut. Like if you, you know, the kind of guys that get their hair cut every week, everything's always in place. Clothes are always clean and fitted just meticulously. When you walk into a house, everything is very like feng shui and, and organized properly. Everything has a place. Um, that, so those are the type of social footprints. Yeah, yeah, you can tell very accurately that I'm a super orderly person. There's a place for everything and I am very clean. I want everything clean. Um, the other thing that's really interesting, it's similar to social footprints, but a little bit different. It's called traces of action. And traces of action are things we leave behind. Hmm. So it can be like cigarette butts, um, papers. Uh, sometimes in the classroom, if I'm working with students, they'll leave like a, a Starbucks cup or um, some other type of, of garbage from something they were eating. So if they always do that, it can give me some indications about their personality. Because if you do it once, you may have forgotten but if you do it every class period, it seems to me like you don't really feel responsible for your own trash. Um, or if I'm noticing, damn, you drink a lot of coffee because every class period you drink coffee. It, it's never a switch, right? Or it's always the same brand of something. So the traces of action are the things that we leave behind. And if you were a creeper and would go through people's garbage can, which don't do that, <laughs> but if you did, most of us are extremely habitual. You know, we buy, we're very brand loyal, perhaps to toiletry products like toothpaste. Um, you'll start to see I'm very brand loyal with the types of things that I eat. I don't drink any soda. Um, I, I eat a lot of vegetables. There's the same type of garbage that I produce every week when I'm dumping it into the can. Mm. So you would learn a lot by me by just looking at the things I leave behind, which are called traces of action. And that's being socially intelligent is intentionally looking for, which is a form of listening. The first thing we can do to take advantage of an opportunity to listen is to be able to identify the emotions you are experiencing when you are reacting. Another good step is to be conscious of the impressions that we are making, the stories that we tell through our social footprints and traces of action. The ultimate takeaway that I want you to recognize is that we are leaving clues about who we are, what we think, and how we feel all of the time. And when we increase our ability to pick up on these cues, then we are increasing our social and emotional intelligence as well. We have an exceptional opportunity during this time of solitude where many of our normal routines are paused to really pay attention to the emotions we are experiencing, to identify them, and to also take a good look at the items in our homes to start noticing what are our social footprints and traces of action. Thanks for listening to the Right Brain Journeys podcast. For more insights about social and emotional intelligence, subscribe to this podcast and follow me, Gino Parati, on LinkedIn or like Right Brain Journeys on Facebook for information about one-on-one coaching as well as group workshops and learning sessions.